TED Audio Collective. My father is definitely a tinkerer. He can't stop himself from finding something cool and jerry-rigging it. If you walk around my parents' house, you'll see like 10 clocks minimum. Half of them are digital, half analog. I bet you somewhere there's one with a cuckoo coming out. And it isn't just electronics. You could have a hole in your skirt and he'd be like, no, 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 you don't have to give it away. I'll fix it for you. I have to say, I really admire the way he simply doesn't give up on anything. It's such a gift to have the kind of mind that can see a beautiful end product, even if its current state isn't so impressive. And repairing stuff isn't just a fun hobby. It also massively helps reduce waste. With my dad around, skirts and clocks don't end up in the trash. So how can more of us develop that kind of eye toward fixing and repairing things instead of throwing them away? And what can product manufacturers and legislators do to protect our right to repair? I'm Madhu Bakanola. This is TED Business. Our speaker today is Gay Gordon Byrne. She's a self-declared repair geek and the executive director of the Digital Right to Repair Coalition. She's passionate about empowering people to fix their stuff. And in this talk, she makes an argument for why we need to shift away from being a throwaway society. Then after the talk, I'll share some resources that can help all of us repair our broken things and reduce waste, even for tricky products like our old technology. But first, a quick break. This show is brought to you by Schwab. With Schwab Investing Themes, it's easy to invest in ideas you believe in, like artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy as is or customize the stocks in a theme to fit your goals. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. Hey, TED Business listeners. We're supported by our friends at Working Smarter, a new podcast from Dropbox exploring the exciting potential of AI in the workplace. Working Smarter talks with founders, researchers, and engineers about the things they're building and the problems they're solving with the help of the latest AI tools. Tools that can save them time, improve collaboration, and create more space for the work that matters most. On Working Smarter, hear practical discussions about what AI can do so that you can work smarter, too. Listen to Working Smarter on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or visit workingsmarter.ai. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Add a little curiosity into your routine with TED Talks Daily, the podcast that brings you a new TED Talk every weekday. In less than 15 minutes a day, you'll go beyond the headlines and learn about the big ideas shaping your future. Coming up, how AI will change the way we communicate, how to be a better leader, and more. Listen to TED Talks Daily wherever you get your podcasts. I 
am a repair geek. I grew up fixing things with my dad. It was what we did.、Uh, we fixed our TV. We fixed our refrigerator. We fixed stuff that didn't need fixing. We fixed our Volkswagen Beetle. In our home, if something broke, we took it as an opportunity to have fun. We loved the idea and the challenge of bringing things back to life, and I still love that feeling, which. To me, is just thrilling. I did it recently. My laptop was overheating. I thought it might be the fan. I ordered a fan. I put the fan in. I turned it on, and the fan went. I'm like, yes, that really worked. It was a great feeling. Now, I know this kind of repair probably sounds very old-fashioned, and I probably look a little old-fashioned, but it's much more than saving money. It's how we keep the things that we like in use. It helps us keep things out of the trash. It helps bring jobs into our communities, and it can help solve the digital divide. Now, since 2013, I've been the executive director of the Digital Right to Repair Coalition, otherwise known as Repair.org. Our members do all the R's: we repair, we reuse, we resell, and we recycle. And in doing this work, I've come to realize that. Repair is right now central to all of our sustainability goals. If we can fix our stuff a little more frequently, keep it in use, we are keeping it out of the front of the waste stream at the front end, so we'll have left to less to process at the back end. If we are going to have any control over our e-waste problem, we have to talk about repair. Let me give you a sense of scale. Back in 2013, the EPA estimated that the average U.S. household already owned 28 digitally driven gizmos and gadgets. It was everything from garage door openers and hot tub controls to smart toasters. If we just do a little math and multiply 28 times our roughly 123 million households, we come up with a pretty staggering three and a half billion pieces of e-waste. That don't belong in our landfills, and they are costly and difficult to put back as raw materials, if those processes even exist. When we look a little more closely at what's even possible with recycling, I think we've been ignoring some really ugly truths. By the time a laptop or a refrigerator or even an electric toothbrush gets in our hands, almost all of the environmental damage has already been done. All the costs of mining and refining and smelting and transportation, and we don't see these costs when we go to the store, and we don't see the human costs of terrible labor conditions and exposure to toxic materials. So even if we can't agree on how to calculate these costs, I think we can agree that fixing more and throwing away less just makes sense. There's a lot of other advantages of repairing things other than just the obvious. Repair is what lets us keep our older devices in use, and it allows a secondary market for the products that we want to resell. And secondary markets are why used equipment is so affordable, because the used seller has to compete with new. So if a new gadget is a thousand dollars, we expect a pretty big discount to buy that same item used. Let's start with 50 percent. So now we have an affordability capability 
that is central to crossing the digital divide. We had five million students that went to virtual school this past year that didn't have enabling technology, and that's because parents and school districts couldn't buy new. We still have a lot of chip shortages, and these are going to be with us for a while. And I think we have to think very seriously about doing more repair, not just to make things last longer, but also to be more resilient as an economy. Repair is also a point of entry for a lot of our engineers and innovators. I heard Steve Wozniak speak very recently about his growth and development at a time when he was repairing things as a kid, and it was central to his development as an engineer. He grew up pretty much the same time I did, where repairs were very ordinary. Consumers were empowered to take their vacuum tubes to the local store, plug them in, and see if they work, and then buy a replacement on the spot. And there were lots of options for repair within the community to help with the more difficult challenges. I think you've probably noticed that these mom and pop businesses have disappeared, or all but disappeared, in our communities. And it's not because we don't want to fix our stuff; it's because they were not allowed to buy the essential repair materials that enabled them to stay in business. So, if we can back that back and make it possible for our local repair shops to buy parts and tools, then those businesses will come back, and they will bring back with them jobs that feed families. And our nerdy kids will be able to open things up, figure out how they work. And become the engineers and innovators of our future. Repair jobs, which I mentioned,、um, they're great jobs, and they don't require an advanced degree. I'll give you an example. There's a charity in Minnesota called TechDump, and they take in donated electronics, and then they hire adults that are hard to employ, many of whom coming out of the criminal justice system. They train them to make repairs. They then take the repaired goods, sell them, and use the proceeds to fund more training. They're keeping equipment out of the waste stream. They're bringing good quality equipment to their community in a used format, and they are bringing people out of poverty and into the workforce. What's really got me irritated <laughs> is that at this point, the vast majority of products on the market today cannot be repaired by any party without being. Totally dependent on the manufacturer, and the day the manufacturer decides they don't want you to fix it, it's over. This is a completely artificial problem. Manufacturers used to provide comprehensive documentation and schematics and shipped them with every product. It was expected that you could fix your stuff. Then, once the internet allowed these, this documentation to be hosted online, manufacturers stopped printing, which made sense because printing was expensive. And then, then somewhere along the line, somebody said, "Ah, we need to know who's using our website." So they demanded a login. And then another bright light said, "Oh, we can charge." So they put up a paywall. And then a third bright light said, "We can't let anybody have this information at all. They might compete with us." And that's where we are today. We can't get what we need to fix our stuff. Now I can tell you because I've had a front row seat. This trend towards a throwaway economy is reversing all over the world, and it's really fun to be able to tell you about it. Back in 2014, we put forward our very first digital right to repair bill, 
And that became the template for dozens of other bills. And this year, we've had 27 states take up the same legislation. And these bills are starting to pass. There's been a lot of help in the, in, from the Federal Trade Commission and also the Biden administration in saying we really, as a country, need to be able to fix our stuff and we need competition for repair. It's not just us. Canada and Australia have got similar processes underway. The European Union has put forward a set of regulations that just took effect that are limiting the use of adhesives in the construction of products because if you can't get into the thing, you can't fix the thing. France has yet another idea. Uh, they are requiring manufacturers to rate themselves on their repairability, and then they are posting those scores for consumers to consider pre-purchase. There are groups forming up all over the world that help people repair stuff even without government or regulatory change. You may have seen repair cafes advertised in your community. That first repair cafe started in 2009 in Denmark. There are now over 2,000 official chapters. There are websites, YouTube, and a company called ifixit.com that hosts tens of thousands of repair tutorials to help people learn how to fix their stuff. Last year, they recorded 116 million unique users on their website. So I think it's pretty clear people do want to fix their stuff. So I'm very encouraged by the fact that our throwaway economy, the trend is reversing. And we are going to be able to fix our stuff. We're going to be able to use the things we want in the way that we want them. We will be able to cross the digital divide, and we will have more jobs, and we will all get that great, yes, I fixed it feeling. So the next time something around you breaks, don't take broken for an answer. Go fix something. <laughs> Thank you. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You can earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Support for the show comes from Brooks Running. I'm so excited because I have been a runner, gosh, my entire adult life. And for as long as I can remember, I have run with Brooks Running Shoes. Now I'm running with a pair of Ghost 16s from Brooks. Incredibly lightweight shoes that have really soft cushioning. It feels just right when I'm hitting my running trail that's just out behind my house. You now can take your daily run in the better than ever Go 16. You can visit brooksrunning.com to learn more. As many of you know, I'm a professor at Columbia Business School, and we just moved to a new location about 10 blocks north of the main campus. And that meant everyone had to clean out their offices. Some people had been in the same office for 40 to 50 years. So as you can imagine, there was lots of stuff. 
Now, my guess is that many of you have done some type of spring cleaning or Mary Kondoed your house and took all that good stuff to a Goodwill, a thrift shop, or some other volunteer organization. And there are organizations that help companies donate things like old furniture to schools or nonprofits. But one thing that has always been unclear to me is what do I do with my old technology? The thing with technology is that what you do with it is less obvious than what you do with an ill-fitting, old, grungy pair of pants. There's something inside that says, this might be useful. My colleagues and I had computers, keyboards, laptops, and there was even an old cash register. The hallways looked like a vintage store. There was stuff everywhere. And honestly, I know for sure that a lot of that stuff just got tossed in the trash. We were in a rush, and no one had the mental capacity to think through what to do with some of this mess. But what Gay is saying in this talk is that maybe we could have been more thoughtful about how we dealt with what we left behind. What comes to mind for me is the old mini tape recorder I used to use for interviews. It didn't quite work, so I chucked it. My Sony Discman that kind of had a rotting battery compartment because the batteries had been in there for so long. Tossed that one, too. But now I'm wondering, could I have gotten those items repaired instead? One reason why it often feels easier to throw that stuff away is that not all of us share my dad's love for tinkering or his gift for fixing things. Gay's organization, Repair.org, knows that and wants to help connect people to the resources they need to repair their stuff. Repair.org is building a national directory of local repair shops that fix all kinds of goods, from jewelry to appliances to bicycles to old medical devices. Their goal is to help people find a shop near them that can repair whatever needs fixing. So next time you're at home or at work, look around. Is there something that isn't functioning as it could, but you know you have no business throwing it away? Now, rather than leaving it as an old relic, why don't you look into whether there's a repair shop nearby that can restore it to its former glory? That's it for today. This episode was produced by Transmitter Media with help from Jordan Bailey and fact-checked by Matias Salas. Special thanks to Anna Phelan, Michelle Quint, Corey Hajim, and Colin Helms. I'm Madhu Akinola. Talk to you again next week.